standing. And if you got any reason to celebrate Jesus, can you lift up a shout of praise at all of our locations? Come on, you can do better than that. Let's celebrate Jesus. Amazing. Hey, do me a favor. Before you're seated, give one of the best high fives away that you have ever given in your lifetime. Today's a good day to be in church. Anybody, anybody glad to be in church? I hope you're glad to be in church. I've been feeling really grateful today, really expecting about what we get an opportunity to celebrate together as a church family. Got some pretty cool stuff in store. Uh, just was feeling super grateful, feeling really glad that this is my church. Do you love your church? Are you glad this is your church? I hope you're glad this is your church. I was um, just reflecting on what God's allowed us to take part in as a church family. And I was reminded in my own heart about what we've had an opportunity to build. Some of you from, from day one of Red Rock's story, there's, been, there's just been sacrifice around every corner and nothing is ever built without sacrifice. And there's been a lot of people that have come in through these doors over the course of the years that have sacrificed time and they've sacrificed their talents and they've sacrificed their treasures in order to see what we're able to take part in each and every single weekend. And so this weekend, I want to encourage you, if you're sitting in one of our locations, would you just kind of take a look around and take it in? Because what we're experiencing is unlike really what's taking place anywhere else in the world. This is a move of God here in Denver. But never forget for a moment that this stuff doesn't take place without sacrifice. There's been a lot of people that have sacrificed, and in particular, some people that have gone first and foremost. They're not here this weekend, but how many of you love your senior pastor, Sean Johnson, and his lovely bride, Jill? They've modeled sacrifice for us, and it's because of your sacrifice. In a few short months, we're gonna be launching a brand new location in Park Meadows. Can we make some noise for that? It's because of sacrifice that we've been able to start God Behind Bars in two prisons here in Denver, and I believe it's just the beginning. We've launched a campus in Brussels, Belgium. We've launched a campus in Austin, Texas. Come on, you can make some noise for that. We're starting a leadership college. We've written music that has gone global and is refreshing churches around the world because of sacrifice. Because of sacrifice, we have an amazing online church so that you can sit in your own house, in your pajamas, when you're sick, so that people that can't get out of bed because of handicap and disability, they can now have church brought to them because of sacrifice. It's pretty amazing. So now we got church online and people are taking church online and they're streaming it in their homes. We have groups that we're going to make you aware of that are streaming these services that we get to see every weekend. They're streaming it in their homes and in office complexes and in universities. I'm talking hundreds of people gathering together across the United States and, and, and around the world in some of our military camps. What God is allowing us to do is pretty remarkable. There's 2,500 children that gather at any given Red Rocks Church location every single weekend. 
You can only imagine that it takes a small army of people every single weekend to make sure that we not only facilitate some child care so that you can come in here and worship freely, but they're actually learning about the same gospel. They're learning about the same Jesus because people are sacrificing of their time, their talent, and their treasure in order to make sure that your kids grow up knowing about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And there's hundreds and now thousands of people every single weekend that are volunteering their time to make this thing happen. And I just wanted to showcase four people. These four people from our different campuses. Um, I'd love to be able to celebrate them, if you would, with me. And one of the people that I want to celebrate this weekend is Lori Favero. She's served since 2014. She started at our Golden Campus and is now at our Littleton Campus. What up, Littleton? She serves every single weekend and usually serves double. Usually she takes on a couple extra services to make sure that your kids hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we make some noise for Lori? The next one that I want to bring to your attention is a man named Robert Aguirre. He's been serving at our church at most of our locations um, since 2013. He started at our Golden Campus, and then he hopped over to the Catfish Campus. Anybody remember the Catfish Campus? 17 and a half people remember the Catfish Campus. The Catfish Campus then became the Lakewood Campus. Can we make some noise for the Lakewood Campus? He's also served at our Evergreen location. He served at Littleton, and he's planning to go to Park Meadows in the fall. Can we make some noise for Robert? I also want to highlight Kristen Sommerfeld. She's been serving for over nine years. She started at our Golden location, and now she's serving at our Arvada location. Can we celebrate Kristen? Come on, Arvada, make some noise like you love Kristen. I also want to bring up, last but not least, Cindy Hunt. She's been serving for over three years, serves almost every single weekend at both Littleton and Lakewood. She's playing on both teams here. Can we make some noise for Cindy? It's because of people like these that make... Red Rocks what it is. So I want to thank all of you that have sacrificed over the years. I believe that the best days of Red Rocks Church are in front of us. And it's because of our senior leaders have paved the way and sacrificed that now thousands of us around the globe have an opportunity to sacrifice to see something amazing built. Never forget, nothing is ever built without sacrifice. If you have your Bible, I'm just going to dive right in. Is that okay? Can I bypass like a funny story or a joke? I kind of wanted to honor some people up front. So if you would, open up to John 14, verse 1, and we're going to dive into maybe a familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to hopefully shed maybe a different perspective, a new perspective on something that might be old news to some of you. John 14, 1 says this. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Verse four says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus pens on paper here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I just pray that as we look to your word, Jesus, it is a bedrock and a firm foundation. God, it is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. Jesus, in these pages, we can, we can learn to know you and learn, learn to be like you. And so, God, I pray that as we look to your gospel, as we look to your word, and as we celebrate your life and the gift that you've given to us, Jesus, my prayer is that we would not leave here the same. And God, for those that came into this place not expecting life change, not expecting to receive anything, God, I pray that my faith on their behalf would be adequate. And Jesus, would you minister to us, we pray, and everybody at Red Rocks Church at all of our locations said, amen, amen, amen. amen. I want to give just a little bit of context to this passage of scripture because in the mid-1500s, we added chapters and verses to the Bible, used to be written as letters or narrative or poetry or history. And so the pages were just full of words. And so if we were to, to go and look at the, the story of Jonah, people used to have to go, go to the part in the Bible where Jonah gets swallowed by a whale and people are thumbing through their pages. And so to make it easy for us to find things quickly, they added chapters and verses. And, and this chapter in particular is a brand new chapter. It's, verse, it's chapter 14. And sometimes we can disconnect it from what happened in chapter 13. It may feel like a completely separate encounter. But it's interesting because these passages of Scripture, verse 13, uh, chapter 13 and chapter 14, were happening within the same instance. And the instance that it's taking place here is an iconic scene that most of us are familiar with, whether this is your first day in church or you've been coming here for a long time. It's called the Last Supper. Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples. Many of you can see the imagery. You've seen the artwork. You're, you're familiar with it. The Last Supper is a, a time where Jesus pulled together his closest friends, his, his disciples, and he shares with them that a few days from now, he is going to be taken from planet Earth. He's going to be killed. He's going to die on our behalf, and he's no longer going to be with these guys. Now, to help us feel the weight of this, these guys have given up absolutely everything to follow Jesus. They've, they've given up their livelihood. They've given up their places of work. They've left their families. They've, they've slept on the floor and in tents and in people's houses. They've, they've literally lived by, by the generosity of people. And, and Jesus says, hey, guys, I know you left everything to follow me, but I got to go. And these guys, it's like they're shell-shocked. They, they don't know what to do. The guy that they've been following, that they've given their lives for, is now going to leave, and they're left with this dilemma. How do we be successful in this life? And to make matters even worse, Jesus looks at Peter, one of his right-hand men, the guy that's like close to him, the, the, the loud mouth of the group, kind of the leader, the pushy one, and he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, before the end of the day, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me. As if it wasn't enough for Jesus to go, I'm not going to be with you fellas anymore. You're on your own. He, he's like, Peter, I know that you are closest to me, but you're going to deny me. You're going to betray me. 
And this is the setting in which John 14 takes place. Jesus is still in the room with his companions. The air's been sucked out. He let them know he will no longer be here. And they're left feeling some of these dilemmas and some of the questions that you and I would face as well. And it is, Jesus, if you're gone, what is this whole thing about? Like, what do we do from here? Like, Jesus, if you leave... How do we be successful in this life? How many of you know it's pretty common to feel that as a Christ follower? Like Jesus, in your word, it says to imitate you. It says be imitators of Christ is what Paul admonishes us to do. It sounds amazing. And you can hear that on a weekend and be like, yes, let's imitate Christ. And then you leave on Monday and you go, I've never seen the dude. You ever thought about that? Like we're, we're, we're admonished to follow, to be like Christ, yet none of us have, have seen him. You can just imagine what the disciples are feeling in this moment. Jesus, you're going to leave us. What are we to do now? We were gonna, we were gonna die with you. Now what? Jesus, how do, we, how do we live successfully now? That's really the the cry of humanity is, how do I live a successful, satisfying, meaningful life? This is where we find the disciples. And look how Jesus kicks it off in verse 14. Literally the verse after he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. The next words out of his mouth is found in John 14, verse 1. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Thanks, Jesus. I needed that. You ever, you ever been anxious? You ever been under distress? And someone just tells you, quit being anxious. As if you never thought about that. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm under crippling anxiety. I never thought about just not being anxious anymore. Thank you. Jesus just says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And then the next words out of his mouth is, but don't let your hearts be troubled. In one instance, you want to slap Jesus as if he's not having compassion over these people hearing such difficult news, but then he gives the way in which they can not let their hearts be troubled. It's interesting. Jesus lets us know that it is in our control whether or not our hearts are troubled. And look what he says next. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in God and believe in me also. What he's trying to do is he's going, Peter, listen, you're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled. Like, you're not gonna be in relationship with me based upon your your squeaky clean track record. What's gonna get you into relationship with me is belief in me. I don't know about you, but I'm really grateful that my relationship with Jesus is not contingent upon my track record. I'm a fallen person, and I don't follow Jesus perfectly. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This this whole relationship thing isn't contingent upon you not betraying me or not screwing up. Believe in me, and this is the bedrock of the faith. For those of us that follow Jesus so flawed, this is really good news. He says, believe in God, believe in me also. And then he says this kind of, almost feels like a fly-by statement when you're reading it in context. In verse two, he says, In my father's house, there are many rooms, a.k.a. Peter, there's space for you 
and my father's house. Yes, even you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And then Jesus says something that's pretty perplexing. When I was reading it, I'm like, why did he say it this way? He says in verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you in heaven with my father, he says, I'll come again. And then he says, and I will take you to myself. First glance, you're like, so what? Jesus is describing for these guys, he's going to heaven to prepare a place for them to live for eternity with Jesus, with the Father, having communion with the Spirit of God himself. And he says, don't worry, I'm gonna leave you, but I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna get you. And then he doesn't say, then I'm gonna bring you back to heaven and it's gonna be amazing. He doesn't say, I'm gonna gonna get you and I'm gonna bring you to the place where there's no more weeping and gnashing of teeth. He, He says this, I'm gonna come and get you so that I can bring you to myself. Jesus is framing for these guys. He's going, listen, you have been walking a path with me and the purpose of this path to date has been to follow me. I have been the sole purpose of the way in which you've gone. He says, there's coming a day where I will come back and I, and I will bring you, aka I'm gonna be the reason why you get to where you wanna go. But then he doesn't say, I'm gonna bring you to heaven. He says, I'm just gonna bring you to myself. Jesus takes the emphasis of heaven off of a place and he puts it onto a person. He says, not only was the purpose of your life me, Not only was the reason you were able to get from life into eternity me, he says, but the purpose of heaven is not a place where there is no more weeping. That's true. The purpose of heaven is not going to be that there's not going to be a place that that you no longer experience pain and sickness. There's no more loss. There's no more grieving. That is true. But he goes, the purpose of heaven is me. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to walk you through this life. And I'm going to bring you to myself. The emphasis of heaven is not on the place. Jesus is saying, guess what? This is about me. This is about me. And that's going to be about me. I want to make this very simple to you. And then in verse 4. He starts inferring things. Jesus starts inferring that his disciples know some stuff. And he says this. He says, and, and you know the way to where I'm going. You know, right? H- have you ever, fellas, you'll understand this. Have you ever been with your girlfriend or your wife? They're like physically in distress. You can tell they're fuming mad. And you try to help the matter, and you're like, what's, what's wrong? Are, are you upset? What, what's making you upset? And if you've ever been there, you can get a response like, oh, you know. You know what you did. Like, you know what's wrong. You know. You know. And fellas, you know. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't know. This is what the disciples are feeling. It'd be like Jesus being like, hey, fellas. Let's go hop in our cars and go out to dinner together. You guys in? And they're like, that sounds amazing. You buying? I'm buying. Where where do you want us to meet you? You know. It's like, no, you didn't say it. You just invited us and you didn't tell us where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus says, you know. 
Not only that, you don't, you, you don't just know where I'm going, but you, you know the way too. He, he, he connects this idea that there is almost something intrinsically connected with the way and the where. The, the, the path is connected to the destination. Jesus is going, listen, this is, this is simple. And you guys, you actually know, you actually know the way and, and you know where. And then look what Thomas says. He's just like us. He says, Lord, sorry. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Okay, you haven't given us the address. You don't know, we don't know the destination. How, how do we get where we're supposed to go? What is the way? You didn't give us the address, so we don't know the streets. Like, this is logical. This is what we would say. We'd be like, bro, we don't understand. This doesn't make sense. We, we don't know the way. And Jesus says to him in verse 6, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he throws on some icing on the cake. He, like, drops a little cherry on top. He says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, you guys are worried about the destination, but the, the destination and the way, they're connected. And he steps in and he goes, let me make this abundantly clear. This is supposed to be really simple. Don't overthink this. Don't overcomplicate this. I am indeed the way. And a few verses prior, he let us know he is also the destination. And the guys are left there going, what do you mean you are the way? The original text it actually connects. It means that Jesus is the way to truth, and he is also the way to life, a.k.a. The, the, the path that you want to take, if you follow me and you follow my way, you will grow in truth, capital T, truth, and you will grow in life, capital L, life. Jesus says it's intrinsically connected. It is, cannot be separated. The way that you are to live, I am to live, the disciples were to live, is directly connected to the destination of where do we need to get to. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm not a supplement to your way. I am the way. See, some of us, we go like, okay, Jesus, we know the story. You died, rose again, it's super cool. I got goosebumps, it was amazing. Then I got baptized. But then we start going, okay, Jesus, I, I got myself into a bind. You see, I li I got, I, it's shoes. I love shoes. And, and so I can't afford more shoes, so I, I put it on my, my visa, and now I'm in a bind. Can you get me out of my bind? Like, Jesus, can you supplement my way? Can you give me the raise? Because if I had a little bit more money, I could, I, my way would work. And Jesus is going, this life is not about your way. I, I am the way in its entirety, 100%, like exclusively. I'm not a additive to your way. This life is about Jesus, no more, no less. And the guys are still like, okay, okay. I, think, I think I'm kind of getting it. And then, and then Thomas, he's like, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus is going, no, the, the, the way is connected to the destination. What Jesus combined in himself 
Thomas tries to separate. He goes, Jesus, yes, you're Lord, but what else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're king, but what else? Like, isn't there more? More to the story. You're gonna give us like some, a checklist of things to do. And he's going, no, 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 no. In its entirety, I am the way. Isn't it interesting how the human heart wants to take Jesus as the center point, as the culmination and fulfillment for everything we long for. And we go, okay, Jesus plus my ambition. Jesus plus work. Jesus plus sex. Jesus plus drugs and alcohol. Jesus plus... And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Do not separate my way and try to add it to your way. You see, all of us have a way. The way in which you're navigating throughout life. You have a set of lenses, set of truths that you've been passed down. Ways in which you think you can find life and life to the full in this life. We all have a way. We all have things that we're chasing. We all have, have a direction that we're pointing. You can tell a lot about a person by their way. Like if I spent some time with you, I could see what really mattered to you. He, he really does like shoes. Like he, he says he values his family, but he's never home. He, he says he gets his identity from here, but I think he gets it from here. I can learn a lot about you by the way you search for fulfillment. I can learn a lot about you by the way that you search for identity. It's quiet at Littleton. <laughs> I'm in your kitchen. I can learn a lot about you by the way that you numb your pain. I can learn a lot about you by the way that you cope with your anxiety. I, I can learn a lot about you, fellas, by the way that you treat your spouse. Amen. <laughs> I can learn a lot about you by the way that you use your money. What do you sacrifice for? You, you see, your way exposes your values. You can say you value one thing, but your way will actually tell me what you really, really value. And Jesus is trying to get down to values. Where do you think life and life to the full comes from? Where do you, Red Rocks Church, think success comes from? Because Jesus says, listen, if you want to know if you're on my way, you should look behind you and see that there's just life exuding from who you are. And if there's nothing but destruction behind you and pain behind you and you just seem to, everywhere you go, it's like every dollar that comes to you is gone. You ever felt that? You get the bonus and then it's like. <laughs> you get the promotion that you always thought that you wanted. Now I'm making a hundred grand and it's like. <laughs> you know, like I thought that this was, was gonna satisfy me and then you keep running your way. It's just more money and then I'll get there. And if you look behind you and all you see is death and destruction and decay, I promise you, you are running down the wrong way and let God's word tell you, not me. John 10, 10 says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He's got a path too. He wants to steal and slaughter and destroy. So if all of the relationships in your life seem to explode, 
it might not be all of their fault. It might be that you're walking the wrong way. But then Jesus says, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Like I went, whoa, you know, like, geez, I wasn't expecting that. You kidding me? Like, this is amazing. And then, then, then he says, I want to give you life in its fullness until you overflow. I wonder which way are you going? This term here that says everything in abundance, it isn't talking about the Ferraris and the Lambos and the cute girl and the, the, the mountain house. Like, those are all great things. Hope you get all of those sort of things. But what is talking about everything in abundance, he's talking about the longing of the human soul. The hunger for peace, the hunger for comfort, the hunger for identity, the hunger for true love that never leaves you, the, 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 the hunger for a place, for belonging. He's going, listen, all, everything your soul longs for can only come from Jesus. So if you're lacking those things, check your way. Check your way. I spent most of my life trying to, to, to chase down life to the full and pleasure. I was just, I had a lust and a zeal for life. I'm like, there's always gotta be a better way, a, a better situation, a better scenario. And so I just spent most of my life chasing, 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 chasing until I was about 18, 19 years old. I found myself in one of the lowest parts of my life, riddled with, with shame and guilt and sin and addiction. And I remember I was, I was laying on a, a, a bunk bed in my little sister's room, and there was little actual princess sheets on it. Don't judge me. And I was, I was just laying there, and the lights were off. I was all alone, and I was just tormented. I was just at wit's end, felt like I was at rock bottom, and I'm going, how on earth do I get life? And I can remember getting to a point where I'm laying on the bed, and I, I just cried out to God. I was literally convulsing under just anxiety and a panic attack. And I, and I was just like, Jesus, I've never really gone all in. You were an additive. I just wanted you to bless what I was doing. And I never really made you Lord and said, Jesus, what do you want from my life? When I began to realize and what Jesus taught me in that moment is that every other way that we walk that is not the way of Jesus Christ will ultimately end in destruction. The Bible says that the way of sin, the wages of sin is death and it is destruction. So if you think about it, you could take alcoholism and you could run it to its furthest extent and it will end in death. Some of you have lost loved ones from that. If you take drugs and you run it to its furthest extent, I want to get as much as possible. I want more. I want to chase the best high. It will ultimately end in death. You can take workaholism. You will die. You can take food. You will die. You can take sex and pleasure. You will die. You can run any other object of your affection to its furthest extent, and it will end in death and or the worst destruction you could ever imagine. And I began to realize the only thing that I can run as fast and as hard and as long as I possibly can is if I follow Jesus Christ. I just began to look behind me, and it just seemed like, like I, all I got was life and more life and so I kept running and I kept chasing and I kept, kept pursuing Jesus and realized the only thing that I get when I chase Jesus is life. I wonder what way are you running? 
Do you feel like what your soul is longing for you are finding in surplus in Jesus? Or do you have carnage behind you? Because sometimes what it feels like to me is, especially growing up, I felt like, like getting life to the full was like a huge highway, tons of exits and huge fast cars. And, and you're just going, man, I, I don't know which way to go, but I'm going to get there as fast as possible. And I'll get into this lane and I'll try to find significance in this lane. And maybe it's this lane and then maybe it's this, maybe I'm this way exit, you know? And I realized that Jesus's word has a lot to say about that. In Matthew 7, 13, he says, you, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. One lane. He says that the highway to hell is, a, is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. For the many who choose that way. Friends, the way which you go is a way that you have chosen to go. Said it's broad and the gates are wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life, which is what we all want, not only life in the here and now, but the eternal life, is narrow and the road is difficult. If you feel like walking with Jesus is difficult, he agrees. And then he says this, which is daunting, only a few ever find it. I was studying this weekend and I, I read about an interstate in Texas. It's the, the biggest interstate. It's Interstate 10. I got a picture for you. At its widest point, it is 26 lanes wide. Sometimes that's what life feels like. Maybe I missed my exit. Maybe I got to do a U-turn. Maybe, maybe I need to phone a friend, you know? Which way do I got to go to be satisfied? Which way is the one to heaven? Is it Buddha? Is it Allah? You know, like, how do I get peace with them? And it's just, there's 26 of them. And I can go that way or I can go that way. And then I found out about one of the most treacherous hiking trails in the world. It's a mountain in China. It's called Mount Hashuan. What's up? <laughs> this is what Mount Hashuan is like. The average width for most of the journey when there is something below your feet is about six to nine inches. And whoever goes down that path has to cling to the chains and they strap themselves to the rock in order to stay on the way because if they deviate from the way, it ends in death. And people every single year die hiking this path. I wonder if more of us would benefit from seeing the path of Jesus more like this than like this. Like to follow Jesus is brutal and you gotta kill things off inside of you and you gotta trust him like you never have before, but you gotta cling to the way of Jesus because if you deviate from it, I promise you will end in destruction, I wonder. We need to be reminded that walking with Jesus is hard, but it's worth it. What way are you walking? Are you here for a good time, not a long time? Are you on the highway to hell? It's amazing how many illustrations we have about this sort of stuff in our culture. It's real. And after all of this, Jesus almost throat punches the disciples. 
Not really, he's so kind. But verse seven, Jesus says to the guys, his fellas, something that's pretty staggering, and I think we shouldn't miss this, Red Rocks. He says in verse seven, if you had known me. If you had known me, aka, but you don't really know me. He says, you would have known my father also, and from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And then look what Philip does. Philip's like, okay, yeah, 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 you're, like, you're good. Like, we know you, you're Lord, we got it. Like, you're driving the point home. And in verse eight, Philip puts his foot in his mouth, and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Sounds pretty good. Jesus is trying to say, I am everything that you need. And he goes, that's amazing, but show us the Father too. You ever talk with a kid and you're like, you can have one piece of candy. And they're like, okay, I'll take the one, but I want another. Jesus is going, listen, I, I, am, I am Lord, meaning that I, 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 am, I am everything that you could ever long for. And they're like, okay, that's that's good. Jesus, that is good. But show us the Father also. How many of us do this with Jesus? We come in, we're reminded that he is Lord of our lives, that he can satisfy everything. We go, Jesus, you're so good. But you know that management role just opened up, and I'd like to kind of, just kind of squeak me in. It would be amazing. Jesus, I know that you, you, you're, you're my comforter. You're a friend that never leaves me nor forsakes me. I know that you provide for me everything I need in every season, but I'd love a honey right now. I'm so lonely, Jesus. We do this all the time. We go, Jesus, yeah, you're everything, but can you also? And, and his disciples are going, Jesus, we know that you're Lord. We know that you're the way. We know that in you and through you are all things. But can you also show us the Father? Sounds so good. And Jesus is going like, gosh, these guys are as dumb as Ronnie. <laughs> Show us the Father. And Jesus said to him in verse 9, have I been with you so long, Red Rocks, and you still do not know me? The word know me means intimately, relationally, you have missed something. We've been in proximity, but you've missed who I really am. Freaks me out. Guys, I don't wanna go throughout life being in proximity to Jesus. Hearing another story about Jesus. And then one day I am no longer going to be here. And I don't want him to say, you don't really know me. What was this all about? The money that you're working to accumulate, it's amazing, but you are going to die. <laughs> it is the perfect statistic. You're going to wind up dead one day. My prayer is that our church would be a church that just knows Jesus. We cling to him in every season. He is the way that we run in this life. He's our ambition and our focus. This means that the pathway of, of walking the way of Jesus is, is one pathway. 
The Bible says that we just need to make him Lord. That, that means, Jesus, I lay aside my way. I lay aside my ambition. I, I, I lay aside even the things that seem logical to me, like the, the, the easy to explain part. Like I, I lay that down and, and I choose your way. Like I, I, I just thumb through the pages and I say, Jesus, teach me how to find significance. Who am I? And he's like, it's, it's in here. It's in here. When we make Jesus Lord, we lay down every sin that so easily entangles us. We lay aside every addiction. We lay aside every way and we choose the way of Jesus Christ. And the good news is we're going to fail. We know that. And Jesus says, okay, just believe in me. I'll forgive you. It's not about you running perfectly. It's about you staying on the way. I wonder what way are you going? Do you really, really, really know him? Not as Jesus, not saying, do you know the story? Do you know him as Lord over your life? Have you laid aside your agenda and your plans? Because it is only through making Jesus the Lord, meaning the boss, the way maker, the navigator, the counselor, that we can stay on the way. Would you stand to your feet if you're able? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says something that I think is pretty apropos for most of us. It says, are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Jesus says, then come to me. Come, like, come to me. And most of us go, okay, that's great. I'm here. Now what? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How to, what's next? And he says, no, just come to me. That's all. And look what he goes on to say. He says, I will refresh your life for I am your personal oasis. How many of you need that for your soul? He says, simply join your life with mine, AKA walk in my way, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle and humble and easy to please. AKA there's just one path, simple. He says, you will find refreshment and rest in me in relationship with Jesus. He says, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy for you to bear. Some of you are going, that sounds amazing. And Jesus says, I wanna give you the easiest invitation ever because Jesus, what he was gonna do moments later is he was gonna go to the cross and he was going to buy for us this life and life abundantly. He was gonna buy for us the forgiveness of sins. He was gonna make a way for us that we should walk in and, and Jesus is going, listen, life to the full can only be found when you go through the cross of Jesus Christ. And here's how, this is Jesus's gateway. He's like, if you want to part, you want in, you want to pay the membership, be in the crew. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, remember that just means I'll pick your way, not my way. And he says, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, AKA, you gotta go through the cross to walk the way of Jesus. You cannot walk it any other way because you need his relationship and his relationship is only made available through his sacrifice. Nothing is ever built without sacrifice. 
Friends, we're in this room together today because of Jesus's sacrifice. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never invited Jesus to become the Lord of your life, maybe you've prayed a prayer before, but this never made sense to you. He's never really become your Lord. I I want us all to pray together, especially those of you who have never invited Jesus to be Lord of your life. Red Rocks, would you, everybody together, would you pray this prayer with me? And for those of you that have never prayed this prayer, this is gonna be a defining moment in your life. Pray this aloud with me. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've tried to do this my own way. It never works. I recognize that I need a savior. I need a Lord. Today I lay down my agenda. I lay down my plans. I lay down my way. Today I choose your way. Help me to be faithful all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate everybody that just prayed that for the very first time? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't have to clean yourself up to get to Jesus. He'll do all the cleaning. You just got to get here. I want to encourage some of you that have prayed this prayer before, but somewhere along the lines, you've, you've just forgotten to make him Lord. You've made him an additive rather than Lord. I want to encourage you. We're about to go into a time of communion. The supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, the breaking of bread, the drinking of wine, we're, we're going to do that together. Sadly, it's just grape juice. But we're going to celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ. This weekend is all about Jesus. It's all about his sacrifice. And so I want to invite you into it. The ushers are going to come forward at all of our locations, and they're going to pass out communion. And what I want to ask of you is two things. Would you hang on to that? I'll come back through, and I'll lead us through this. And the second thing is this. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, be free from this. You don't need to take this. This is kind of like a family thing. And for those of you that aren't right with God, the Bible says, far be it from you to partake of communion if you're not right with God. So take a moment during this song if you need to get right with God, if you need to remake him Lord of your life. But we're gonna take communion in a second. So if you would, Red Rocks Church, would you sing this new Red Rocks song with us as we magnify Jesus and his cross?
Can we give thanks to Jesus in this place? Can you get your communion ready? Right before Jesus said that I am the way, he demonstrated prophetically what was about to happen. As they shared this meal together, Jesus said, hey, make sure that you do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. And so today what we're going to do is we're simply gonna remember the cross of Jesus Christ. We're gonna remember the, the price that he paid for us. We're gonna remember that through him is life and life to the full and only through him. The Bible says in Matthew 26, verse six, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he gave thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Jesus, we thank you today for your body that was broken on our behalf. The greatest price ever paid, that God of all of creation died for his creation. Thank you, Jesus, would you take the bread? And then verse 27 says, and he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. Jesus, it was a symbol of a covering over the sins of humanity. You paid a price so that we wouldn't have to. We don't have to dig our way out of our sins, but Jesus, you said you'll cover it. So today, Jesus, we drink of this juice. It's symbolic of your blood that was shed for us. Red Rocks, let's drink the juice. Jesus, we thank you for this symbol of the communion that you've given to us. God, you paid a price so we could have relationship and communion with the Father. Today we get communion with God because you paid the ultimate sacrifice. And so God, as we continue on in the rest of our service, as we celebrate what your cross has paid for us, Jesus, I pray, would you remind us that you are Lord over every situation and we thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you paid on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Red Rocks, let's continue celebrating Jesus and his cross today.